Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. The message that he has. But today we are continuing in a series we started last week called Ever Endeavor. And really the heartbeat of this series is that in everything that God has done, whether we're speaking about in your life or in our life as a church, in all that God has done, let's not think that that's all he wants to do. In all that God has done, let's not believe that he is done. That was the heart of the message last week, that God wants us to continue to push, to continue to stretch, to continue to reach, to continue to work, to continue to endeavor so that he'd continue to get glory. That's the heartbeat of this church and that's the heartbeat of this series. In fact, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible speaks to this very fact. I wanna read it to you. It's found in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. This is what it says. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love this verse, not just because it ties in so nicely with our series, but because it speaks to me about the fact that we serve a more God. He is immeasurably more. He is exceedingly and abundantly. He's bigger than all you can ask, think, dream, or imagine. That means he's bigger than whatever situation you're facing. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than your insecurities. He's bigger than your doubts. He's bigger than your anxieties. He's bigger than your deficiencies. We serve a God who is more than enough. He's bigger than that. I'm glad we got like three people excited about this sermon today. I'm going to come up and preach in your aisle, (laughs) staring you down. Tell me I won't. But I want to use this verse to set up my sermon today. If you're taking notes, I'm calling this message measuring with more. Measuring with more. It's always my custom to pray before we get into God's word. I know I need God's help. I need God's help for every breath that I take, for every thing that I'm doing, and especially when I get up here. And I believe that if you came here, there's a good chance you need God's help too. And so if you would just bow your head with me, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I wanna ask that God would help us in our time with his word. God, we thank you so much for your word and for your truth. God, and I believe that you do have a word that you wanna speak today to the people that are here, that it's a God word, a rhema word, a now word, Father. And I'm asking, Lord, that as it goes forth, that you'll transform it, personalize it, individualize it to what each person needs to hear. God, only you can do that. Only you can take one message and multiply it and make it unique for each person. So God, I'm asking that you do that, and I believe that you will, and I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you are driven by measurement? Driven by measurement. A couple of you, some of you may say, uh, might call it you know, being competitive, some of you might call it uh, being goal-oriented. Some of you might call it being an engineer. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, 
but I'm just saying I'm one of you. I, I'm driven by measurement. I, I just like to know whether or not I'm winning. That's, that's really what it comes down to. I, I wanna know how am I doing in this? And you know, hitting seven years as a church, as I talked about last week, that's a life cycle and it's got me reflecting on these different things. How are we doing? How am I doing? You know, how, how has things worked for us? And I don't think that that's evil. I don't think that it's bad. I, I think it's actually healthy. Sometimes I don't even think that comparison is wrong all the time. I mean, how else are you gonna know? How else can you learn? And so sometimes it gets a bad rap, but I just like to know, am I being a good steward? How are we doing with what God has entrusted to us? How are we doing with what we've been given? And I mean, honestly, I wish there was a scoreboard for my sermon. I mean, that would be nice. Like, like I would like to know at the end of the day, like, did I win or did I lose? Is this working or is it not working? How do you measure that? How do you know if this is working or not? I can tell you, it's definitely not by looking at some of your faces, dear God. <laughs> but how do, how do I know if this is working? How, how, do I, how do I know if the church is working? How do you measure the impact of a church? How do you measure the impact of a sermon? You know, do I measure it by like how many people post about it on social media? Do, do, do I measure it by like your response, by whether or not you laugh or by whether or not you clap if I say something good? What am I trying? Honestly, I don't even know if, if I know how to measure the right thing sometimes because if I'm measuring the impact of a sermon, I mean, there's sometimes where God is speaking to you and the truth is hitting you so deep that you can't even respond. And so I don't know that I always even know the right things to measure. You know, do, do I measure by how many people show up? Honestly, I don't think I can control that. Do I measure by how many people get saved? I know for a fact I can't control that. Well, what, what, do I measure by how many people are on a team or in a group? Maybe that's a good thing to measure. All I'm trying to say is measuring ministry is difficult for me, and I'm a guy that's driven by measurement. And maybe for you, you know, it's different. Maybe for me it's ministry. Maybe for you it's something else. Maybe for you, you're, you're trying to measure the standards set for you by your parents. Maybe for you, you're, you're measuring yourself against your peers. Maybe what you're measuring is your bank account or you're, you're measuring how many likes or follows you get on, on Instagram or social media. Maybe you're measuring how many Pinterest-worthy moments you have as a mom. Maybe you're measuring how many people report to you. I, I don't know what it is you're measuring. I'm just saying measuring is hard if you don't know what to measure. And I don't know what it is you measure, but I'm pretty sure we all measure something. And I think the reason is, is because the question all of us wanna answer at the end of the day is do I measure up? Do I measure up? And that's hard. And I'm sorry to disappoint those of you who are here today because I can't tell you what to measure. I can't tell you what to measure because there's a good chance that what you're supposed to measure is a lot different than what I'm supposed to measure. So I can't tell you what to measure today, but I do have some good news for you. I, I wanna tell you how to measure. I wanna tell you how to measure. You know, one thing I learned way back in high school in shop class, Ethan, is that if you wanna build something, before you can build something, 
you got to know how to measure. And I think there's a desire in all of us to build something that gives God glory. I think there's a desire in all of us to build a life that glorifies God, to build something that matters, to be a part of something that's significant. I don't know what it is for you, but I know there's a desire in all of us that our life would count and it would matter. And if you're gonna build anything that gives God glory, you have to know how to measure. And you have to know how to measure according to his measuring system. You know, heaven has a measuring system. Did you know that? It's not the metric system. That, that's every other industrialized nation in the world other than America, but it is not the metric system. No, heaven has a measuring system. I don't know if you knew this or not. I wanna show it to you today. Uh, it's called a cubit. How many of you have ever heard of a cubit before? These are all the people that read their Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you've heard of a cubit before. You know, a, a cubit, I only know of one, maybe a couple times, in the, primarily in the Old Testament, though. I only know of one, maybe a couple times, in the New Testament. But it's a measuring system, and it was given by God. That's why I call it heaven's measuring system. Uh, the first time you ever see it, though, is in the book of Genesis. Uh, you may know the story. Noah, we see, builds an ark with cubits, in cubits. God gives Noah some instructions on how to build this ark. And when he gives him the dimensions of the ark, he gives him the dimensions in cubits. That's why I call it heaven's measuring system, came from God. But the cubit, when you read about it in the Bible, sometimes you see it with different phrases. Uh, sometimes it's called the cubit of a man. I'll just mean mankind, not male, just the cubit of a man. This is uh, it's man's measuring system. God, it came from God, given to man to measure things. And the reason they were given this measurement is you got to think about it. Like back then, they didn't have all the modern technology that we have. They didn't have tape measures. didn't have laser levels. didn't have all the things that we use in building and construction today. So uh, God gave them this dimension in cubits. And, and the reason is, is because a cubit is something that everybody has. You have a cubit. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you have a cubit. In fact, there were two kinds of measurements uh, in scripture that you see. Uh, there was a cubit, which I'm telling you about, and then there was another measurement called a handbreadth. You read about this, a handbreadth. So I want everybody to participate in this. This is a participatory church. So just hold up your hand so I can see you. Everybody's gonna participate. If you don't, I'm gonna come out and look at you. So um, hold up your hand. All right, put your fingers together, all right? And then you fold your thumb in. This is a handbreadth. This is a handbreadth. And the reason it's called the cubit of a man is because a cubit is six handbreadths. In fact, I want us all to measure something together. We're gonna do this together as a church. But if you take... If you take your arm here and you take your hand breadth and you start in the fold of your arm where the bend of your elbow is and you just, it's just your point, you know, your pointer finger to your pinky finger and you just go uh, count six, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Now, unless you have gorilla arms or ginormous hands, uh, you're gonna get a cubit this right here, it's from the full of your arm to the top of your index finger. That is a cubit. It's a cubit. Now, the Hebrew word for this word cubit, it's interesting. 
It's the Hebrew word ama, ama. And the reason I, I point that out to you is because I want to tell you just a little bonus teaching for you today. That word literally means mother. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read this in my study, is that this part of the arm right here, it's often referred to as the mother of the arm. It's the mother, why do they call it the mother of the arm? It's the mother of the arm because it gives life to everything that you can think in your mind. It's the mother of the arm. It gives birth to those ideas that you have. It creates, it forms, it fashions. It's the ama, it's the cubit, it's the mother of the arm. Now, I do just wanna point out to you that if this is the mother of the arm, then Danny, this is definitely the father of the arm. I just wanna tell you that. But anyways, that's not the point of my sermon. I'm just saying uh, the, the cubit, it's amazing. It's the ama, it gives life to everything you think about in your mind. Think about what they were able to build with the cubit. They didn't have all these measurement things that we had today, all these tools, modern technology. But with the cubit, they, they built these magnificent, magnificent structures. They, they built towers and buildings. They, they built shields and weapons and pottery. They built entire cities and civilizations all with the cubit, the mother of the arm with six hand breaths of a man, six times the size of a man's hand. Not just what they built back then, think about what we can do today. I mean, you think about all of the things that we've created, the being able to sequence DNA and splice atoms and create machines that can learn, all the way to being able to make my face look like a dog on Instagram. We have created some amazing things all through the ama, the cubit, the hands of a man, the mother of the arm, six times the size of a man's hand. And you might be thinking, okay, like, this is great. I didn't know there's gonna be math in this sermon today, but uh, why am I taking time to build this up? We're talking about measuring. We're talking about the significance of numbers. We're seven years old. We're talking, this is actually six, six, times the size of a man's hand. And six is significant in scripture. Uh, six, you may know this if you're Bible people, uh, six is the number of man. It's that for a few reasons. One, mankind was created on the sixth day in the book of beginnings. God said to Adam and Eve, he said, there's six days that you're to work, but on the next day you should rest. All that to say that six represents what we can do in our ability what we can do in our strength, what we can do in our power. And I'm not against what we can do in our ability and our strength and our power with our hands, with the cubit, with six times the size of our hand. I'm not against that. Lots of times we think we're waiting on God. Honestly, I think God most of the time is waiting on us to get our hands dirty. He's waiting on us to put our hands to work. He's waiting on us to put some effort into it. He's waiting on us to stretch. He's waiting on us to work. Lots of times we think God's, God's wait, we're waiting on God, but he is waiting on us. I'm just saying six is not a bad number. It's just limited. It's limited. But there's another number in the Bible, and that number is seven, and seven is God's number. All through scripture, seven speaks to what God can do. Seven represents God's glory. Seven represents God's presence. 
Seven represents God. Seven is the number of God. It's seven. That's why when I was thinking about seven years and I was thinking about all that God has done and how do I measure it and studying about this, I saw something that really caught my attention and I want to share it with you. Because see, in the Old Testament, there was a prophet that God gave a vision to. This prophet was Ezekiel. And God gave this prophet a vision of rebuilding the temple. The temple is the place that's filled with God's glory. The temple is the place that's filled with God's presence. And he spoke to Ezekiel in this vision. And I want to read it to you. It's in Ezekiel 43, verse 12. He says, this is the law of the temple. The whole area surrounding the mountaintop is most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. Now, I got to stop there for a minute because twice in one verse, God says, I want you to know something that is extremely important. This isn't something to pass over. This is a double annunciation. And for all the Bible scholars, students in here, whenever you see this in scripture, this is God telling you to pay attention. He's saying, don't miss this. I, I'm wanting you to see something that's really important here. It's like when God spoke to Saul and called him out of the life that he was in, he said, Saul, Saul. It's like when Jesus was teaching in parables, he'd say, verily, verily. It's like when Paul was writing in the New Testament and he would say, ever and ever. When you see words mentioned twice in scripture, it's not by accident. It's adding volume to it. He's saying, don't miss this. Don't pass over this. There's something you need to pay attention to. He says, this is the law of the temple. You know, there's natural laws that govern our world. There's the laws of physics, the law of gravity, laws of motion, laws of thermodynamics. There's all these different laws that govern our world. In the same fashion, there's spiritual laws. And God's saying, hey, this is a law of my temple. This is a law of my house. This is a law about anything that you want to be filled with my presence. Anything you want to give me glory. This is a law about it. And I don't want you to miss it. And in the next verse, he starts giving some measurements. He says, these are the measures of the altar in cubits. The cubit is a cubit and a handbreadth. I just want to say, hey, the altar is it's the symbol of where the divine and the human meet. It's this place where God's supernatural ability meets your natural efforts. And God says, hey, there's a law that you must follow if you want to glorify me with what you're trying to build. And it's so important that a God who doesn't mix words, he says it twice in one verse, and then he starts giving some measurements. He said, I want you to restore this temple, and I want you to measure it in cubits. I want you to build this thing that's going to give me glory. And this is how I want you to measure it. I want you to measure it with a cubit and a handbreadth. 
This is the measurement that I want you to use. It's a cubit and a hand breadth. Now, that's kind of interesting to me because like, you're probably thinking, what are you talking about here? You've spent so much time talking about cubits and six and hand breaths, and now we get to building the temple and six isn't good enough. Exactly. See, God says, you can build a lot of things with your hand. You can build a lot of things with your ability. You can build a lot of things with your strength. But if you're gonna build anything that gives me glory, if you're gonna build anything that matters, if you're gonna build anything that endures, if you're gonna build anything that lasts, you have to leave space for God's hand to be on it. You gotta leave space for God's hand. I'm not against what you can build with your hands. I'm not against what you can do with your ability. I'm not against what you can do with a cubit. But there's nothing spiritual, nothing moral, nothing that will matter, nothing that will endure that you can build with your hands. Whatever you build, if you want it to glorify God, you gotta leave room for God's hand to be on it. He says, don't miss this. This is a law. This is the law of where my presence dwells. This is a law of what gives me glory. If you're gonna build something, you gotta build it with your ability and you gotta leave room for my hand. A cubit and a hand breadth. And I'm convinced that all too often we're trying to build something and the reason that we struggle and the reason that it's painful, and the reason that there's no joy in it, and the reason that it's not fulfilling is because we're trying to do it in our ability. We're trying to do it with our cubit. We're trying to do it with our limitations, and we're not leaving any room for God's hand. He says, I want you to build this, but if you're gonna build it right, I need you to use the right measurement. I need you to measure with more. You can build everything else with six, but if you wanna build me a church, if you wanna build me a family, if you wanna build me a life, you gotta leave room for me to put my hand on it. It's gonna take more than human ingenuity, than your talent, than your giftedness, then your leadership is gonna take a seventh hand. It's gonna take a helping hand. How many of you could use a helping hand today? How many of you could use God's hand on what you're trying to do? He says, this is, this is the law. In other words, you can build a business with your brilliance, with your work ethic. You, you can build a business with your skill set but it's not gonna last unless my hand is on it. You can get married, you can plan a wedding, you can hire a caterer, get a great DJ, have the reception of all receptions, but you can't build a marriage 
without my hand on it. You can have kids. You can read books about what to expect. You can put your kids in the best school. You can take them traveling, expose them to sports and all sorts of things, help them become well-rounded individuals. But you can't build a family without my hand on it. It says, this is the law. You can build everything else, but you can't build something that's gonna glorify me with your measurement. I need you to measure with more. You've gotta allow some space for me to come in. I'll just tell you, for us as a church, hey, we can build a building. We can create new signs. We can change up our logo. We can do all sorts of great things. But we're not gonna build a church that changes a city without God's hand on it. We're not gonna do anything that matters without God's hand. It's when he puts his hand on our hand. It's when he puts his hand on our ability. That's when we're gonna build something. And I'm thinking about this seven years and running as a church. It's gonna take a seventh hand to build everything that God wants us to build. And in your life, it's gonna take God's hand to do and to build everything that he's called you to do. And I wonder, I wonder if you having done everything you've done, having exhausted your ability, having tried in your efforts, having gone to the limit of your potential to be at the end of your limitation, your cubit, your six, I wonder if you could use a helping hand. Where after you've done everything you can do, God says, let me bless what you've done by putting my hand on it. Where he says, let me do what you can't do. Because the moment we start thinking we can build something without God's hand, the moment we start thinking that we got to where we want to get to just by our ability, you're going to miss it. You're headed for a place where you're always going to fall short and you're never going to measure up. Your genius isn't enough. Your talent's not enough. Your gifts are not enough. Your leadership's not enough. Your work ethic is not enough. I love all of that. But if you don't factor in some space for God's hand, you'll always fall short. You've got to measure with more. Now, the six hands is important. Not making light of the six. Six represents us doing everything we can do. And lots of times we're in situations where we feel like we can't do anything. Sometimes we're in situations where we feel like this is outside of my control. I don't have the ability to affect this. Sometimes we're in situations that we know we caused. The reason we're in them is because of our own mouth, our own fault, but now that we're in it, we can't get out of it. If you've ever felt that way, there's a man in scripture that knows that feeling. His name is Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. I don't know how much you know about Elijah, but Elijah, he was in a situation 
that he brought upon himself, but he couldn't do anything about. He prophesied one time to the king, King Ahab. He said, there's gonna be a drought. It's not gonna rain. And for three and a half years, there was a drought. For three and a half years, it didn't rain. Now that sounds cool, but Elijah couldn't control it. And he had to live in it while it was happening. So if you've ever had to reap the mistakes of your own words, you can relate to Elijah. And after three years, it was at its most severe. But Elijah felt a nudging in his spirit that God wanted to change some things. And so in 1 Kings chapter 18, this is what it says. It says that he climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed. He said, God's wanting to do something, I'm gonna pray. I can't change this on my own, but I'm gonna pray. And he knelt down with his face between his knees. I'm not gonna reenact that for you, you can use your imagination. But he said, God's wanting to do something here. I can't control this, but I'm gonna do what I can do. And so he kneels down and he prays and he calls up his servant, Ethan, get up here. And he says, I want you to go, go up the mountain. And I want you to go, go up the mountain, go up the mountain, just, just walk upstairs, go up the mountain. I want you to go and I want you to look and tell me what you see. Now imagine this. Do you look? You can come back down. So, he, so he's got to look and he comes back down and he's coming a little bit slower this time because he's got some bad news. He's got some bad news. And Elijah is not the guy you want to give bad news to. Go ahead and come up here. Because just before this, Elijah has killed 850 false prophets. And he's not even looking at the servant. He's praying. Did you see anything? Yeah. No, you didn't. Go, go look again. Go look again. <laughs> he's praying. Have you ever been in that point? What does he say? He says, he went and looked and he didn't see anything. Man, this is the way it feels sometimes. This, this is what it looks like when you're trying to build something. This is what it's like when you're trying to write a sermon. Come on down here. This is what it's like when you're trying to start a business. This is what it's like when you're trying to raise a family. This is what it's like when you're trying to live for God in your efforts. Did you see anything? No. Go look again. Go look again. And I'm dragging this out. Hurry up, run fast. I'm dragging this out because this is what it's like. You go up there and you look and I don't see anything. It's nothing. You know what we started this church with? Nothing. You know what the disciples packed when Jesus went to teach? What they packed for lunch? Nothing. And when you're looking at what you can do, get on down here, in your own ability, lots of times it looks like nothing. 
So he says, did you see anything? And he says uh, the first time, nothing. Did you see anything? Nope. Go up, go up again. <laughs> Second time, did you see anything? Nothing. A third time, get back down here. Did you see anything? Nothing. A fourth time, did you see anything? Nothing. A fifth time, did you see anything? Last time, let's go. A sixth time, did you see anything? Nothing. It says seven times Elijah told him to go look. Come on down here. And on that seventh time, servant comes to him. He said, what'd you see? He said, did you see something? I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising. The size of what? A man's hand. The size of what? A man's hand. Was it big? No. It was little. Sit down. <laughs> it was little. It, it's little, but it's loaded. It doesn't look like much but it's not what you did in your ability. I wonder what would have happened if Elijah would have stopped with six, if he would have stopped with just what he could do. We just tried, this is what I can do. It's a little cloud, but it's the size of a man's hand. And it's that small cloud that turned into something, that ended the drought that was immeasurably more than they could have even imagined. They didn't see anything in the beginning. Didn't look like much in the beginning. But the seventh time, when he left some room for God to move, when he left some room for God to work, when he left space for God to put his hand on it, that's when the situation changed. That's when the drought ended. That's when they came out of the famine. When God's hand came on what they did. So when I'm trying to measure myself, when I'm trying to measure my opportunities, when I'm trying to measure results, when I'm trying to measure my experience and what I'm going through, I gotta remember to leave space for God's hand and to measure with more. Because little is much when God is in it. It's just a little hand, it's a little cloud, but if you leave space for God to put his hand on your efforts, that's the moment that God's glory comes in. That's the moment. It might not look like something great. I don't know if I'm measuring up. Leave space for God to put his hand on it. I don't know if this is really making a difference. Leave space for God to put his hand on it. Well, I don't know if it really matters. Leave space for God to put his hand on it and measure with more.